Do everything you can to not interact with stuff that you don't want to be made more popular. Because it isn't about, gee, they agree or disagree. They, it's about engagement. It's about whether or not there's somebody actually interacting with that page. Welcome to the East Anchorage Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gray. Today on the show, longtime Anchorage political strategist, Ouija Tazi, discussing ways that volunteers can best assist a political campaign, including, as you heard in that opening clip, with social media. Welcome. I would love to get started by just having you uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, normally, I wouldn't start here, but it is kind of important. I was born in Washington, D.C., lived in that area for um, 25 years, grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, with the sons and daughters of senators and Congress people. So I've always been kind of aware and engaged in politics. Um, uh, jump ahead to uh, 20. 12, I guess it was 2012. I uh, owned a tour company and I was sitting uh, at my computer, much like I am right now. And I had the uh, TV local news on in the background. And I heard this story about how my legislator had decided this is between the election and the opening of the session. My legislator had decided that she was going to switch parties and become a Republican. And I was so angry and so blinded i could not could not see straight and i owned a tour company at the time and i was trying to stay out of politics even though i was engaged uh, you know personally uh, <clears throat> and i just couldn't stay out of it so i uh, me and a bunch of friends uh, put together a recall campaign for lindsey holmes which uh, we did for almost two years went all the way up to the uh, filing deadline in uh, 2014. And um, uh, in the process, I ended up being a district chair for the Democratic Party and uh, stuff like that. And I volunteered on a bunch of campaigns in 2020. I, um, well, back in 1980, 80, uh, sorry, 1994, I did a, I managed a campaign up in Fairbanks and uh, a uh, borough assembly campaign. And uh, then in 2020, I ran the presidential primary here in Alaska, and then the um, Alaska Democratic State Democratic Convention, which was done by Zoom. And um, I managed a campaign in 2020 up in the interior, and uh, I'm managing a campaign this year now. And I've gotten into a bunch of other political projects too. Great. So, um, yeah, you've done a lot. I want to just really get right to um, the topic of tonight, which is volunteers. <clears throat> and um, I guess, how can you talk a little bit about the importance of volunteers in the political work that you've done? <clears throat> sure. <clears throat> Excuse me for this. This is the lingering COVID thing, and I apologize for that. Um, volunteers are the bread and butter of of campaigns and um they're they're so they're so important and um uh there were a couple of things a couple of notes that i made about about 
volunteering and being engaged in general. And these are, I'm going to tell you, these are the take-home lessons at the end of the talk, but I'm going to tell you, tell them to you now because it's a good thing to remember. The first one is, is that when you're doing political things, you should pick one thing and only one thing. Pick your candidate, pick your issue, whatever it is, whatever that effort is, pick that thing and do that 100%. It's really easy and it's very seductive to want to <clears throat> say, gee, I want to work some on this campaign and I want to work on this campaign. And I learned this um, when I was doing that recall because what was happening was we were doing the recall and at the same time, SB 21 was being considered for oil taxes. And I really wanted to jump into the oil tax thing because I have lots of ideas about that too. Uh, and I didn't. And I didn't because I knew that there were people working on the oil tax situation. And you really have to, when you're doing political stuff, you really just, you have to do your 100% and trust that everyone else is doing their 100%. Because when you get distracted off of that, then you're not doing, you're not doing either cause or any of the causes um, the best. So pick your project, do your project, pick and stay with that project and trust that everyone else is doing that too. And um, the second one is, this is the thing that you want to avoid. This is the cautionary tale. You don't want to wake up on November 9th and sit there lying in bed, staring at the ceiling and think to yourself, if only I'd done this one thing, the outcome might have been different. Um, so uh, I'm saying those two things now because you should focus on your, you should focus on what it is that you're working on, your, the thing that you're volunteering for or maybe you're not volunteering, like I'm managing a campaign, focus on that and do everything that you can and don't leave anything on the field. Do it, do 100% of it. I know that you have um, five pages of notes. So if you <clears throat> want to sort of uh, do your presentation, sure, um, okay, we're here for it. Okay, so <clears throat> um Alaska is an amazing place. Uh, it's an amazing place to be involved in politics. The uh, drama and the twists and turns. You could make a. You could write a book about it. People have. It's amazing, but it is special in one particular way, and that is that there's probably no place that I can think of. Certainly, no place that I've ever lived or have been aware of, where an individual has so much influence on the outcome. <clears throat> of of what happens and how much of it how much of that happens in juno and how important what happens in juno is to the lives of everybody um so i want to talk a little bit about numbers i don't want to get into numbers too much but i wanted to point this out because it kind of points out how why one person is so important so in a typical i'm going to talk about house districts as for examples tonight because they're the smallest unit that um that we're working with, but you, it's easy to scale them up. There's 40 house districts, and uh, so each Senate district is two house districts. There's about 14,000 voters in a house district, give or take. Some are a little bigger, some are a little smaller. Um, so 28,000 or so in a Senate district. Typically, let's just, for the to make the math easy, let's just say that the turnout of a typical election is 50%. Okay, so that means of the 14,000 voters, 7,000 are going to vote. So if 7,000 voters vote in the election, that means that if you swing 70 voters, you 
you convince 70 people to vote for your candidate versus some other candidate, that amounts to a 1% change in the in the outcome of the election. And there's a big a big connection between the number of people who are working on a campaign and the number of people that you can reach and persuade. And that's just hugely, hugely important. And uh, I, I think people don't realize that that's, that's how tight the numbers are. So for every volunteer, if you get, think of it this way, you get one person to, to swing one person every day between now and election day, that's 1%, 1% of the vote. That's a lot. It really is. Um, so being a volunteer is really about, about engagement because these numbers are so small. A candidate can knock on every door in a House district easily. Maybe a candidate who's a Senate candidate could knock on every door in his or her district. So you can reach, you can reach the voters individually. Um, and so that makes a big, big a big, big difference is that engagement. There are some things that just have to be done. For example, if you're doing a literature drop or something like that, the literature has to go out. And if you don't have the volunteers to distribute the literature, that means the candidate's doing the can the campaign manager is doing it, the staff is doing it. <clears throat> and those are not good things because particularly the candidate, if the candidate is dropping literature, it means the candidate is not making phone calls and raising money, and they're not engaging with the voters except for the ones that they run into uh, when they're dropping when they're dropping literature. And those are things that candidates can only do uniquely. Okay, I, if I'm if I'm a if I'm a campaign manager, I cannot say, "Hey, I'm a candidate, and I need you to uh, make a donation to my campaign," because I'm not the candidate. I can't. I mean, I can go door to door and advocate for my advocate for my candidate but i can't i can't be my candidate in those and and you really candidates really need to focus on those things and so what you need volunteers for is to do all of the other things that you can um that you can delegate out that the ca campaign manager can organize a bunch of volunteers and get them uh to uh get them to do those various things volunteers have these varying levels of comfort or discomfort about doing things. The one that comes to mind first for me is phone banking. I just do not like phone banking. I don't like it. I can do it. I will do it, but I don't like it. I spent, uh, I worked on a, uh, on a big campaign, a national campaign recently where I was a call manager and I listened to the candidate making calls and I'm taking notes while they're calling and it is excruciating um you know it's just very very difficult work and of course national campaigns are asking they're asking for big bucks uh in specific amounts and uh it's just really hard to hear what you hear but it's important it's really truly important work and it has to be it has to be done some people hate lit drops though my doctor says i should love lit, lit drops and i should do them every weekend or at least 30 minutes a day every day and some people just don't like to volunteer um, at all so i would say to that to go along with what i said at the beginning find the task that you're comfortable with and do that task or transcend your dislike is text banking useful um because i get so many texts from campaigns that i end up ignoring mm. them you know um 
I was talking to a consultant the other day about text banking, and they told me something that I was a little bit surprised about. So you do text banking for different reasons, but text banking is is the most effective way to reach people. Something like 98% of texts get open. Now, um, it may be that um, that you uh, and I don't uh, don't respond to those texts, but something like 98% do get, do get read, which if you think about it, that percentage rate of getting the message to a voter, even if they don't respond to it directly is huge. I mean, there's no media that gets, that gets there, um, uh, at that level. Well, I'll just push back a little bit and say that, yes, I read all my texts, but when I'm getting texts from random candidates in Ohio or Texas or South Carolina, I mean, I read it because I mean, because it's in my text, but I mean, I don't respond to it. Yeah, but you should. You know what you should do? Say, say stop. If you don't want to get them, say stop, because what happens they don't want they're paying for those texts i know well you know what and i and i think i'm probably not the only person on this call who has had this experience i used to do stop a lot but it didn't feel like they ever stopped (laughs) well i just gave up if they're handling their data if they're handling their data right when you text stop it takes you it Mm -hmm. takes you out of that universe i don't want to hijack your um planned presentation, but I do want us to talk about social media and ways that volunteers can participate in social media. I don't know if you have some things you want to get to before we get there or not. Well, um, we're right actually at that, at that spot. Um, there's, there's a whole, so, so, so far we've really talked about for lack of a better word, brick and mortar volunteers, people are going to show up somewhere or they're going to do some actual, some actual thing. They're going to go, they're going to go to a fundraiser. They're going to um, drop literature, whatever it is. Um, but one of the things that's happened with COVID and it's, it's kind of this, one of the silver linings is that, um, is that we've become more comfortable with doing these virtual things. So uh, doing a fundraiser, for example, a virtual fundraiser is not two years ago, we said, Oh, my gosh, how are we going to raise money, but it actually it works now. And uh, it takes half the amount of time, Uh, people can come from anywhere kind of opens up your donor pool. uh, And we're more comfortable with it than we were, say, two years ago. And that's true about so many other things. So we've actually uh, kind of learned to be online. And, um, and if you, if you look around, it, I mean, if you go anywhere in public where you see people, they're doing this, right? They're looking at their phone. So that's the place. That is the place. That's where people are getting their news. That's where they're getting their information. That's where they're being persuaded is in, in the media somewhere. There's so much that you can do um, with social media uh, as a volunteer um, that... Um, it's it's really important and that's really when i first approached you asking about doing this talk this is what i wanted to talk about so uh, a campaign when a campaign is doing social media um they have i'm going to use facebook as the example but the the lesson trickles down to all of the various platforms but facebook is a is a really good example because the platform's quite mature and 
complicated and convoluted and has rules. So, um, so if you're a, if you're a uh, candidate and you have a Facebook page, you uh, you put out a Facebook post and um, and it it sits there and it languishes and you say, well, gee, how can I get more people to read my Facebook posts? Well, Facebook wants you to pay for that, and it's kind of it's not that expensive really, but it is you're paying for a result, and um, it's it's money and like six or seven years ago, a friend of mine, I, I'm a beekeeper, a friend of mine and I have a beekeeping business and I did her social media stuff. And we found that instead of boosting posts, we would just create this network, this organic network of people who would follow the follow her business. And we created this, it wasn't huge, but it was big enough. And we would boost a post and maybe get 200 people would see it. But we'd get thousands of people following it from the organic from the organic traffic so i thought to myself well i mean i was gaming the system and now facebook doesn't let you do it the way that we did it back then but the rules still the rules still apply so we don't we don't really know what um we don't really know what the uh algorithms are that um i mean we can guess but we don't really know what the algorithms are and what what makes facebook or any other social media platform say hey let's bring this up but we know that has to do with engagement we know they like certain types of media like video uh, better than pictures they like pictures better than plain text and um and so uh you know it points you in us in a certain direction so one of the things one of the things that i've proposed that volunteers can do if they're sitting there particularly if they're on social media is pick one candidate pick your group of candidates or issues whatever it is that you want to support okay go find them on social media like their pages when you like their pages you're going to start seeing their content when you see their content like their content comment on their content and then share that content because those three things liking it interacting with it by commenting and sharing it with others those things are building branches out to to other people and so if you pick your candidates and you do that and everyone else picks their candidates and they do that suddenly these webs are out there but the webs overlap building that network of organic following really 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 helps it helps everybody so, um, and that's something that you can, you know, if you don't want to make phone calls, you don't, you don't want the campaign manager calling you every two days saying, gee, we have this event. Can you come do this? Um, if you can do that, it helps. It really, really makes a difference. And it's not, and honestly, it's not about the money that it costs to advertise because um, uh, digital advertising isn't isn't that expensive. Can you talk a little bit about the good thing about commenting on a post that you like? Um, I'd I, I heard this somewhere else, I'm hearing it from you again, that you know, if you really like a post, don't just like it, but write something, comment something, because by commenting, it's triggering the algorithm in a different way, correct? That, that's right, that's right, because 
What Facebook wants and all social media platforms want you to do is they don't want you to just scroll, scroll, scroll. They want you to scroll and say, oh, look, I want to look at the comments. Read the comment, read the comment, read the comment. That guy's a genius. You're a genius. I never thought of that. Scroll, scroll, scroll. You're an idiot. You're does your mother know you talk like that? You know, whatever it is. But that but that engagement is what they're looking for. So when people are talking and interacting about a post, that's the bread and butter. If you see something that you do not like, whether it's from a friend or from not so much of a friend or, you know, the other side or whatever, don't touch it. Do not respond to it. Don't eat. Don't put your mouse or your finger near it in any way. Because as soon as you do that, when you touch it, your interaction with that post, Facebook now knows, right? Facebook says, oh, look, somebody there who's on the other political side, because they know what your political leanings are, because they have tremendous amounts of data about you. Look, somebody from the other side is interacting with that post. Gee, that must be a good post. So now it's going up in popularity. Don't touch it. Don't ever, ever touch it. So, but some people can't do that. So here's two suggestions. The first suggestion is if you feel compelled to comment about it, screenshot it. Don't touch it, screenshot it. Then post it and say, Paul Ryan's an idiot. And here's the proof. Okay. So that way, Facebook does not see you interacting with it. Sometimes, though, you'll get a post and you'll see, you'll see some some link to an article or something like that and you you don't like the person but you want to read the article don't click on the article go to google search for the article okay do everything you can to not interact with stuff that you don't want to be made more popular because it isn't about g they agree or disagree they it's about engagement it's about whether or not there's somebody actually interacting with that page Luigi, as we near the end do you want to go over the two takeaways one more time okay the two takeaways are um pick your one thing and do it 100 percent. just pick pick your candidate pick your issue whatever it is pick it and stay with it and do it 100%. Um, it's really hard this year because there's so many races and they're all important. Everyone says, oh, this is the most important election. Well, it always is the most important election, but um, but it's it's so important. But pick the one thing and do it and trust and believe that your friends and people who, who believe like you and who volunteer for campaigns are going to pick their one thing and they're going to do that and that that's what they're going to stick with. And um, and the other part of it is the uh, it's a cautionary tale. Don't let yourself on November 9th think to yourself, if only I had done, you know, if only I had said yes to that phone bank, we would have made we would have made a difference or whatever it happens to be. But I, I just wanted to I just wanted to. Um, I wanted to mention a couple other things. One of them is you can make a difference. There are examples of people everywhere making a difference. There are people uh, in this in this chat who have made a difference, single individual people who have made a difference. And um, the one that I wanted to cite, actually, though, is not so much a political one, but the, do people know who Lenny Pacillo is or was? She's 
passed away. Do you know who Lenny Patillo is? Lenny Patillo and her sister took on the Anchorage Parking Authority and they dressed up as fairies with tutus and they went around downtown and they put money in parking meters and they did it for years. And um, it it got rid of the Anchorage Parking Authority. Unfortunately, now we have Easy Park, but it got rid of the Anchorage Parking Authority and it changed the way that Anchorage enforced their parking. And um, and now we have a parking garage right there downtown called the Lenny Pachillo Parking Garage. So she made she and her sister, two people, made a huge, huge difference in the quality of life in Alaska. Because you go down, you go downtown, park your car, and you get a hundred dollar ticket. Because in her case, the the registration sticker was on the wrong side of her plate. So she made a difference. You can make a difference. I, I, I'm, I learned that because I made a difference. The margins are slim. Volunteering is rewarding because if you wake up on the other side of the coin, if you wake up on, on uh, November 9th and you say, you know what? My candidate got elected and I was a part of it. That's huge. You get to meet so many great people. And, um, and there's never been a greater need than right now really truly that's that's true big thanks to Ouija Tazi for being on the show thank you to Corey Coolidge for making this podcast listenable please check out his YouTube channel Anchorage Life and his website anchoragelife.net about life here in Anchorage gratitude to you our listeners if you like what you heard today please subscribe rate and review us over the next few months this podcast will engage in its actual namesake we will become somewhat of an actual book club at the end of September we will be discussing A Land Gone Lonesome, by Fairbanks-based author Dan O'Neill. This book explores the history of the Yukon River and the stories of its peoples. At the end of October, we will feature Dan's second book, The Last Giant of Beringia, investigating the theory of the land bridge linking Siberia to Alaska. And in December, we will talk with Dan O'Neill about his blockbuster magnum opus, The Firecracker Boys, which made him Alaska Historian of the Year in 1994. That book tells the story of the birth of the environmental movement led by a community of Anubiat in Northwest Alaska, who opposed the detonation of six hydrogen bombs on their land, which would have resulted in the nuclear devastation of our state. Get reading. Get reading.